Well, it is great to have the uh, Glendale group here. Uh, this, uh, we we uh, invented something this morning, an uh, impromptu region service. Yeah. We've never done this before, but uh, you know, who knows what we may do next Saturday night, you know, and uh, you'll get an email and uh, we're going to do something else. Who knows? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You know, we're uh, in this series over here uh, on Fan into Flame. And today I'm going to be talking uh, and we're going to be studying together about zeal. And uh, when you think of zeal, probably if you know the Bible very well, this passage comes to mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, right in the middle, dead middle of Romans 12, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So we're going to talk about zeal. Now let me give you a definition of zeal, okay? Because okay. some people will say, I, I'm not sure what zeal is. Right. Zeal is an outward expression of inner conviction. An outward expression of inner conviction. Yeah. Now when a lot of us, and I think uh, me, definitely at times, in my life as well, when we hear the idea of zeal, and, and this concept of being zealous, we start to act zealous. Okay? Now, when people act zealous, they can do some really funny, foolish things. You ever see someone act zealous? They're acting like they're really into it. But they're not really. We're not looking for act. We're looking for the real thing. As far as zeal is concerned. And zeal is outward expression. Yes, you can see zeal. If someone's zealous, you can see it, right? Outward expression of inward conviction. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 about the whole idea of being zealous and, and uh, hopefully be a real good study for us. But before we get to that, I want us to look at the opposite of zealous. Look back in the Old Testament to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. We haven't, uh, we haven't gone here for a while. And uh, Proverbs 6 is somewhere we have to sort of go through every once in a while. Uh, just because uh, we need to. Romans or, uh, Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 6. I'm going to give you a moment to make sure you get there. Proverbs 6, 6. Here is a person being described that hopefully is not describing you. Could be. But this particular person is not zealous. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant. Now we've actually, uh, my wife may not want me to share this, but I'll go ahead. Uh, we actually have had ants in our uh, kitchen for uh, a while. And uh, we, we went on the internet this morning. We should have done this before and found uh, a way to get rid of them. At least we think so. With uh, orange oil. So, you know, hopefully that's going to be the key. We'll get rid of these ants. But, uh, you know, this passage says that we can learn... From ants. And I have to tell you, I don't want to learn from them. I want to get rid of them. Because uh, I'm tired of them being, uh, you know, in, in, in the kitchen. And uh, we have to put everything in baggies, you know, Ziplocs, you know. 
and it just it's it's a real headache. But anyway, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. So is this a zealous person? <laughs> this, this is the opposite, isn't it? This is just someone that lays around and they can't figure out why everything isn't working out in their life. Now, I hope that doesn't describe you this morning, but it might. Laziness is the opposite of zeal. Yet, it's within most of us to be lazy. Not that, you know, having a little time away isn't a, a bad idea. You know, Jesus had time away. He went up in the mountains and he prayed. He had, uh, went out on the boat and uh, fell in asleep and had a nap in the back of the boat. I mean, the idea of taking a little time off, the idea of getting a little rest is not a bad idea. But a little rest can all of a sudden become what? A lot of rest. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're not doing anything but resting. And so this is not a zealous person. Now look over to Isaiah 6. We're going to see a zealous person. You know, we have to see both sides, right? Isaiah 6. Isn't it interesting that they're both chapter 6? Proverbs 6 and Isaiah 6. Beginning in verse 1. In the year the king Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So Isaiah's in the temple. He sees this vision. This is a powerful, powerful thing going on here. Woe to me, verse 5, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So he sees his vision, and instead of just being totally fired up about it, he sees the vision, and it makes him think about the things that he's been doing in his life that were wrong. Right. You know, sometimes people say, man, I, I just want to see God! Isaiah had a vision here, and it wasn't exactly a happy moment. Yeah. You know, sometimes people say, you know, I, I want to get my life right with God. And then they open the Bible, and it's like, whoa! I had no idea there were so many things I needed to change in my life. I had no idea I was that far off track or from where I needed to be. That's a little bit what's going on here with him. Then in verse 6 it says, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So he, he's, you know, he's feeling pretty good about things right now. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. So this guy is zealous. God says, hey, I need a volunteer. Who wants to go? And he sort of knows where he's going and what he's going to be doing. Anybody want to volunteer? 
It's just like he jumps out of his chair. His arm goes up. Here am I. Send me. This is zeal. You know, you got the, the sluggard that can't get out of bed. You get this guy that's just jumping up saying, hey, I want to be the one. I want to go. Okay, now, look back to Romans 12. This is where we're going to spend most of our time. Romans 12. Because right in the middle of Romans 12 is never be lacking in zeal. And I want to give you three things, I think, from Romans 12. And we'll look at the Scripture and study it together. But I want to give you these three things that I think create the inner zeal that I'm talking about and this passage is talking about. Number one, Romans 12, I think, teaches us and prepares us to be zealous because it helps us understand who we are. A person that's going to really be zealous, not acting zealous, but really zealous, is someone who knows who they are. And I'll fill in the blank here with what that means in just a minute. Number two, Romans 12 also helps, I think, us understand that we need to be humbled by how low you can go. Be humbled about how low you can go. And on the, on the exact opposite side of that, Romans 12 teaches us to be inspired by how high you can go. That you have the possibility in your life of going low, you have the possibility in your life of going high. Obviously, you're humbled by the idea of how low you might go or how low that you could go. And inspired by the idea that, hey, I can really do some things with my life and I can really amount to something. Okay, Romans 12, verse 1. You there? We're going to spend most of our time here. So, uh, settle in on Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. What does it mean that someone would be treated mercifully? Somebody out there, what does it mean? A pardon. Okay, that's a good way to think of it. I'm sorry? Uh, forgiveness is involved. That's good. Yeah. Okay, that they, they are uh, a recipient of love. Yeah. They're not treated in accordance with what they actually deserve. That's, that's really the insight. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Right. Right. It's getting what you need. Mm. Right. And that's why you have a famous passage in the book of James that says that mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, sometimes people say, hey, I just want to get what I deserve. You know what? A lot of times in life, that's not what we want. (laughs) We really don't want to get what we deserve. We really want to get what could be given to us as merciful. So he says, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy... To do what? To offer yourself, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is the motivation of why someone wants to offer themselves. 
They're motivated. Internally, something is driving the, the person that's offering themselves, and they're driven by mercy in view of God's mercy. Now, go ahead a little bit uh, uh, further in the passage. In verse 3, this is, of course, Paul as he writes this. He says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, the grace given me, he is aware, he senses, he knows, he makes reference to it here, that he has been treated with grace. Grace and mercy are are similar terms. So what's going on inside of Paul is that he said, I'm internally moved and motivated by mercy, and that grace has been given to me. Now look a little further on in the text in verse 6. He's speaking to the people here, and he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So this grace, this mercy, is not something that he just had and nobody else had. He speaks to them as if it is a given that they have it too. Yeah. Right. That internally, this should be moving them. Now let's think in our lives of people that are highly motivated. Can you think of anybody in the world around us that that we would say is a, a highly motivated person or a highly motivated group? Oh, we've got the Winter Olympics going on, right? These people are obviously... Very internally motivated, right? We were watching this thing last night where uh, the snowboarders, uh, and uh, of course I've never snowboarded in my life. Uh, I, I'm sure I, I would, I'd be on a snowboard for about two seconds uh, and be on the ground. But my goodness, it was phenomenal. What those snowboard uh, people were doing. And then we watched, uh, they, they went to the uh, ice skating, uh, the figure skating kind of thing. And that's just, you know, that, that blows my mind too. Because I have ice skated and uh, uh, I, <laughs> let's just say I didn't look anything like them uh, when I was, you know, on ice skates. Actually... Actually, uh, we, we used to, uh, when I was a kid, we used to skate out on a, a canal uh, outside of the place where I, uh, I grew up. And uh, one of the funny stories from my childhood is that uh, my, uh, my older brother said, Hey, Marty, do you know that, uh, that you can smell ice? Oh. <laughs> and I thought, you can't smell ice, it's just water. He said, yeah, yeah, you can smell ice. It has a particular smell about it. He says... You know, go down there, put, put your, your nose down there and smell the ice. And so I, I did. I went down and he, bam, on the, on the uh, back of my head. And of course, my, you know, nose went in the uh, uh, ice and I, you know, I have a big bloody nose and all that. But uh, uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. Gives gives you maybe a, a bit of an insight into my childhood. <laughs> but anyway, uh, oh, so so athletes are highly motivated. I agree. Uh, what what else? I mean, do we have our athletes the only highly motivated people? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Skateboarders. Okay, good. That, that's a, a long idea of an athlete. Yeah, uh, Jackie. Maddie. 
Four months in Zambia? I don't even know where Zambia is. I, I, I know it's in Africa, but I, I don't know exactly where it is. But wow, that, that, that's pretty amazing. Okay, so uh, obviously uh, Margaret or Maggie is, is very motivated. Yeah, way back in the back. Okay, yeah. I mean, and, and brought that out, business people oftentimes are, and, and career people can be highly motivated kind of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, refugees, people that are, you know, coming to a new country and trying to establish himself and, and, and make a new life and all that, can, uh, you know, very highly motivated. So it's possible. I mean, we look around us. It's possible to be motivated. But the question here that you need to ask yourself is, are you a highly motivated person? Now, remember, Romans 12 says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, if the Bible is calling us to do that, there's a possibility that we're not doing it, right? So there's a possibility maybe you were doing it in the past, you're not doing it now. There's a possibility that, that, uh, that you need to get to that place. If the Bible's calling us to do something, it might indicate that, that uh, we possibly aren't there, if you understand what I'm saying. But this idea of an internal motivation... This is internally driving you. This isn't your parents making you do something, guys. My teenagers down here in the front row that are, you know, still living at home. This isn't your parents pushing you to do something. Right. This is how you're doing something because you're afraid you're going to get arrested if you don't do it. You know, that kind of a thing. You know, like, you know, are, you know, are you really highly motivated, you know, often to, to be a good citizen? Well, maybe not, but if you're not, then you might get in trouble. That kind of a thing. But we're talking about here a person that internally is driven. They're driven not by external, but by internal. By the grace of God. That's what's pushing them. The mercy of God. They have a strong sense of feeling that God has moved in my life. I know what I used to be. The life I used to live. I know who I am now. And I know that Christ and His forgiveness, His mercy, His grace is the difference in who I am, who I'm becoming. That the old person is is gone and the new person is who I am and who I'm striving to be. So you've got this thing here of the internal motive, who you are. This is crucial. Many of you right here today, you're not sure who you are. This is why you have such a hard time Really getting your life going. You're not sure who you are. The Apostle Paul here is crystal clear of who he is. I am who I am because of the grace of God. Not because I'm a real smart guy. Not because, you know, here's what we try to do. We try to fill in the blank with, I'm going to be real motivated... If I have a lot of money, I'm going to be real motivated. If I'm really pretty, I'm going to have real. Mo- I'm going to be real motivated. If I'm really talented, uh, I wonder if I am. Oh. No. <laughs> and our insecurities dominate 
our thought process. We're no longer a simple person in a sense of I know who I am. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. We are a buzz of insecurity. This thing of figuring out who you are is crucial to zeal. It's an internal thing. Now the second thing here is be humbled by what you can be, meaning how low can you go. In this passage, there's a number of do nots. Now let's see what the do nots say. Verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be like everybody else. It's what he's saying. Verse 3, the second sentence there. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Come on down in verse 16. The second sentence there. Do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Now if you look at the footnote on that, I love the footnote on this one. Sometimes footnotes are great, sometimes they're not. It says, or do not be unwilling, or, or rather, be, or be willing to do menial work. Now don't be proud, but be willing Instead of, you know, willing to associate with people of low position or willing to do menial work. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do as right in the eyes of everybody. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Do not take revenge. But leave room For God's wrath. Internal motivation, in in the second point I'm making here, is being humbled by how low that you can go. Now here's the thing. The vast majority of people do not like to think of themselves as prideful, arrogant, unwilling to associate with certain people unwilling to get their hands dirty and do menial work. Most people do not want to think of themselves as a vengeful person. Now the truth is, they might be all those things. But they don't like to think of themselves that way. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not that way. He tells him, don't do these things. Do not go there. These are things that he is saying very clearly. Don't be that person. Don't be that proud, arrogant, unwilling to help anybody, vengeful person. Why would he tell them to not do those things? Because there's a very real possibility that that may be what they are doing. You need to be humbled by what you're capable of. 
Right. I'm sure I am not alone in being appalled sometimes at the news. Okay, it's the evening news, the nightly news, the daily news, the morning news. There was umpteen people killed over here. This, this, this person broke out, shot up an elementary school, killed a bunch of people over there. This guy went home and shot his wife and his kids. We look at the world around us and, and we think, oh my gosh, what a terrible, terrible situation. And we tell ourselves, I would never be that person. I would never go there. In your sinful nature, you are capable of doing things that you would be appalled at. You say, well, I'm not a vengeful person. I know. You know, we may want to Maybe we'll take a little poll on that. <laughs> well, I'm really a loving person. <laughs> Once again, we may need to get more information on that. Maybe you're not as nice and loving and kind and forgiving as you think. Are you really willing to do menial work? You know, once again, I have to I have to really commend those who who work hard to set up the the service, particularly that gym. I'm telling you, you got you guys from Glendale. You have no no idea how easy you have it. I mean, that has all got to be put up. And it's all got to be taken down every week. And there's not really that much to do in here, although there is some preparation that has to be done here. And let me tell you something. There's nothing sexy about that. (laughs) This is what we call menial work. This is just work. Okay? It's just something that, that needs to be done. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Are you willing, really, to get your hands dirty helping other people around you? There are plenty of people in our community. There are plenty of people that need help, that need, that they need someone. Are you willing? Well, maybe you can tell if you're willing if you've done anything. You say, well, I'm willing. I just haven't had opportunity. Well, <laughs> I would say, if you're willing, the opportunities are all around you to take advantage of. You see, this internal, this internal motivation. You make behave yourself. I don't even know where you're over here somewhere. Francine, will you see to him? This internal motor, this internal motivation pushes us. It creates within us a zeal. This realization 
that I am fighting against a monster. And who's the monster? It's you! You're fighting against it. And some of you right now don't want to believe that. You're hearing what I'm saying. You're saying, no, 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 no. I'm really a nice guy. I'm really a nice girl. No, and I'm saying, I hope you are. But I hope you'll listen to the wisdom of the Scriptures here that might indicate that you have a possibility of not being that all the time. And that's part of zeal. Now, not just the negative part of it though, but be inspired by how high you can go. Look at this stuff, guys. He says, uh, uh, do not, you know, think, in verse 3 there, don't think you're more highly than you are, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given you. We're all members of one body. And he and, uh, and, and comes on down, he says in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. So we've all been given gifts. We've all been given abilities to, to uh, affect other people around us. If a man's gift is prophesying or, or public speaking is, is the way, maybe the way we'd understand that, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Notice all these, all these quote gifts are things that involve a person interchanging and interfacing uh, with other people. If a man is prophesying, let him use in portion of his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. All these gifts, all these abilities are things that God gives us that make us really good at influencing and affecting other people around us. You need to look at that gift and at this listing of gifts, and it's not extensive. This isn't the only gifts that you might have. But look at these and ask yourself, do you have that gift? Do you have the gift of prophesying, being a public speaker? Some of you might. Some of you may not. How about the gift of serving? Wow, maybe that's a gift that you might have. How about teaching? Okay, maybe. If it's encouraging, do you have the gift of encouraging? Do you know someone that's just really encouraging? That you want to, you know, be around them? You know, in the Bible, one of the guys, that they nicknamed him. His, his name really wasn't Barnabas, but they nicknamed him Barnabas. Because Barnabas, you know, it means the son of encouragement. So apparently Barnabas was this guy that was very, very encouraging. You know? Barnabas, son of encouragement. Maybe you're Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas, the sister of discouragement. <laughs> Maybe if you notice when you walk in the fellowship that people people see and turn, uh, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, no, I I don't have enough energy to deal with her today." Some people have the gift of encouragement. They're just encouraging people. Gift of encouragement. Gift of contributing to the needs of others. You've got money! Some of you have money! And you're like, well, yeah, i got money, but I don't want you to to know about it. I don't want you to talk about it. I don't want you to have it! Some have the gift of, of they, they have money. And you know what the truth of the matter is, and, and, and we all know this to be true, a lot of times people have money not because they worked that hard to get it, but because their mom and dad worked hard did and, 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 and gave them a lot of money. 
You know, it isn't that they got out and, and scrambled around and got it all. It's that they were born. <laughs> That's what they did. They were born. And what did they do to be born? Nothing. <laughs> now, I, think, I, I personally think we all got to look at our parents and we got to say, thank God for the good in my parents that, that has been transferred down into me. I look at my mom and dad. I know my mom and dad's weaknesses as much as anybody ever knew them. But you know what? I can go through my mom. I can go through my dad. I can say, listen, that's my mom. That's, that's my dad. That's my mom. That's my dad. And I see it in me. Now, I think sometimes parents look at their kids and say, my goodness, of all the the good qualities I have, you had to to start doing that one. (laughs) And that kind of thing. You know, like, oh, man. You know, why couldn't you be like me in this way, but you were like me in that other way, which isn't very good. But these are all things that have have an influence on other people around you. Uh, If it's leadership, they're showing easy to govern diligence. If it's showing mercy. Look at this. Love must be sincere. He says, try to be sincere. Nobody likes insincere. Who likes insincere? No one likes insincere. We want it real, right? Hey, what is evil? Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. All these are things that we can do. We can be. You can be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. And then there's our, our, our text. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual force. Look at this in verse 12. Be joyful. Don't you want to be joyful? Yeah. Happy. I am happy! <laughs> well, then inform your face. You know, <laughs> apparently your faith didn't get the text. Be patient in affliction. Faithful. Look at that. Be, be joyful, patient, faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. When's the last time you had someone over to your house for a meal? I'm, I'm, tell, I'm talking to some of you people out here. When's the last time you had someone in your house for a meal? It's not that hard to do. Come over to our house, certain time. And make a meal. You say, well, I, oh, I just don't know if they'll like it. I don't, they may like it, they may not. I always appreciate getting invited. I've been invited to places that the meal wasn't very good. You know? Be truthful. You know what I'm talking about. This is my first ministry way back in DeKalb, Illinois. Really sweet lady invited us over for a meal. And she made chicken, but she didn't make it long enough. <laughs> it needed more making, if you know what I'm saying. And, you know, it's just like, well, what am I going to do? You know, and you, you look for the most done part of the undone chicken. And then... And say, and say, pass me the salad. I love that salad. Well, that salad's good. And, I mean, you, you've got to go there. Look at this. Bless those who persecute you. It is possible. It is within your grasp to be that person. You can be. I can be that person. I'm telling you, I'm impressed with that person. Because when people do bad things to me, I want to punch them out. I want to hit them back. 
That's me. You want to know who I am in my nature? If you hit me, I'll hit you back harder. And I got that from my dad. <laughs> but it's within my grasp. Listen who I can be. I can bless people who persecute me. You see, we've got to be humble by how low we can go, but we also got to be motivated by who we can become. I can be that person who will bless those who persecute me. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I can become the person who has the sense to figure out what is the need and then I can fulfill the need. The need is not always the same. Her need isn't the same as your need. You can rejoice with those who are rejoicing and you can turn around and you can mourn with those who mourn. And you can have the intelligence to figure out which one is which. It's a real bummer when you mourn with those who are rejoicing. You know, they just hope you leave. We were having a lot of fun until you got here. But you, you can figure out how to do this. You can meet the needs of people around you. Live in harmony with one another. You know what harmony is? Harmony is actually two different sounds, but we put them together... And, but they sound great together. They work together in harmony. You know, sometimes say, well, I don't know, you know, Christians are all alike. No, no, no. Christians aren't all alike. No, no, no. no, no, no. Christians learn to live in harmony with each other. Not that we're all alike. We're not all alike. You can't have harmony if everybody's alike. What is it, you music people? What if, what if everybody's alike? Uh, Carlos? It's what? It's unison. That's unison. Okay, he's doesn't say live together in unison. <laughs> live together in harmony. Don't worry about. It. Well, I'm afraid if I become a Christian, I'm going to lose myself. Well, if part of that's true. You need to lose yourself. <laughs> But the possibility of you not being you is, is, is none. You are always going to be you. You are always going to be uniquely you. Yeah. And that's what makes you you. And that's why we love you and tolerate you. Because <laughs> we live in harmony. I can be that person. I can live in harmony with other people that, that are different than me. That's what makes harmony so nice. And then he says the do nots. But this whole do not thing is leading up to what he's going to say here. Do not, in verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. First, mind revenge, I'll repay. He says God will take care of revenge. You don't need to take care of revenge. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, in doing this, in treating your enemy the way that he doesn't deserve to be treated, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now I gotta tell you, for a long time I didn't understand that passage. I thought, okay, we're gonna heap burning coals on his head. That doesn't sound like a very good thing. What he's making reference to here is the concept they had back in that ancient time of when you had metal and you had to heat it up to where you could make it bendable. 
you would put hot coals on it. And by putting the hot coals on the unbendable metal, all of a sudden the metal now is bendable. Look at this. You will heap burning coals on His head. The hard, unbending, knuckle-headed, bone-headed person that treats you bad is going to go from hard to soft. Because of how you treat Him. Not how He deserves to be treated. You see, you've received mercy and so you're giving mercy. You've learned from God to be treated with mercy and now you're extending mercy to others around you. Do not, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil. Don't don't let the world around you, don't let the world we live in around us make us like them. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right in the middle of Romans 12, 21 verses, right smack dab in the middle. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking. How do you not lack in zeal? Well, you know who you are. You're a product of God's grace. You're humbled by who you are possibly, who you could possibly be. You're humbled by that. But you're inspired by what you can become. Zeal is something in your life and in my life that is not a constant. Zeal isn't something that you got it and you got it and you never lose it. Zeal is something in your life that you have to periodically evaluate. Am I being a zealous person? And many times, even by the necessity of asking that, that question of yourself, the answer is self-obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Is that you know that you've sort of backed off or you've sort of lost a little bit of your fire. You've lost a little bit of your uh, energy, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Oftentimes, people struggle with that. Well, how do I get that back? And they, they, they wrongly say, well, I, I, I wish I was like I was when I was a young Christian because I was really zealous then. Well, you know what? You were really zealous then, but you were so immature then Spiritually, the answer is not to go back and be a young Christian again. The answer is to internalize the things that you need to internalize, like what we looked at right here. The grace of God. Mercy. God's mercy on me. Got to be humble by what I can be without God guiding my life. But I can also be inspired by what I can be if I follow God and become the person that God wants me to be. I hope you enjoyed our study of, of Romans 12. It's a great study. Uh, and and uh, hopefully uh, you'll go back and read through Romans 12 yourself this week in some of your private uh, time with your Bible and uh, enjoy studying it again. Glendale, awesome to have you here. San Gabriel Valley, thank you for being good hosts.
God bless you. Have a good week.